tonight. We're now in the fourth chapter of Daniel as we have been studying this great and important book of Daniel. We are seeing how God worked and how God used the life of his servant Daniel. Estamos viendo como Dios trabajó a través de la vida de su siervo Daniel. Y a la semana pasada vimos uno de los tremendos milagros uh, en la vida de Daniel o en el libro de Daniel. We saw one of the great miracles of the book of Daniel uh, in uh, our study last week. We saw how those Hebrew young men or those Hebrew men were tempted to leave their faith in order to save their skin. And we have been talking on the subject, dare to be a Daniel. And these young men dared to stand with God rather than to save their own life. And the Bible tells us that if you save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for Christ, then you will find it. Now in chapter 4, and I'll mention also chapter 5 has a similar theme. We're going to see the rise or the and the fall of two great kings. In capítulo 4 y 5 vemos la caída de dos grandes reyes. And I say great because of the magnitude of their kingdoms, their dominions. Digo grandes por la magnitud de sus dominios. And this is one of the themes of Daniel. You remember in chapter 1 that Daniel said that it is God who raises up kings and it is God who raises up kingdoms. And it is God who establishes times and seasons. Uh, este es uno de los temas del libro de Daniel. Que es Dios el que levanta reyes y depone de reyes. Y es Dios el que establece los tiempos y las épocas de la humanidad. And that is an important uh, theme for all of us to think about from time to time. Este es un tema importante para cada uno pensar que es Dios el que establece los límites de cada vida. God establishes the limit of every lifetime. He knows how much time he's given each person. He establishes times and seasons. And so we have to walk in the knowledge of the fact that we live in the timing and in the seasons of God. He establishes times and seasons. And the season we're in, as a world, as a nation, is established by God and for God's purpose. What's our job then? Our job is to find out what is God doing in this season? And how do I get in line with what God is doing? Nuestra tarea entonces, cuando entendemos eso, es saber qué está Dios haciendo ahora en esta época. Y caminar, marchar con Dios. There are sometimes in our life Long periods where nothing changes, nothing moves, nothing uh, seems to be different. And then all of a sudden a season change comes in. And all of a sudden doors open and you start to see God use you in a way he hadn't used you before. And you want to be always as a believer walking in lockstep with God. Queremos siempre como creyente estar caminando paso a paso con Dios. Daniel chapter 4 Verse 1, Nebuchadnezzar the king to all the people, nations, and men of every language that live in all the earth, may peace abound. It has seemed good to me to declare the signs and wonders which the Most High has done for me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you tonight for the living word which you've given to us. I pray that you would uh, uh, establish that word in our hearts. And I ask you to anoint me to preach and teach your word and also to teach and preach as I teach and preach that your people would receive the word as it was engrafted into their hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. I want to mention as we look at these words that Daniel uh, that Nebuchadnezzar speaks in chapter 4. This is the end of the uh, last story that we studied. Los primeros tres versos del capítulo 4 son el final de uh, el capítulo 3. You remember in chapter 3 that these three Hebrews were threatened with a fiery furnace 
if they would not bow down to a, uh, a God made by Nebuchadnezzar, a direct violation of the first two commandments, and they refused to bow down, and when they were thrown into the fiery furnace, and the king looked into the furnace, he saw not three men but four. And he said, and the fourth man appears like the son of the gods. That's a Babylonian pagan expression. Because he didn't know what he was seeing, but he was seeing the Lord Jesus Christ, the angel of the Lord. And when he saw this, he declared that the, uh, the nation should serve Yahweh, should serve the, the most high God. And so he ends that scene with this dramatic statement of praise. We call it a, dox, a doxology in the Bible. And so chapter 4 begins with a doxology. It's going to end with a doxology as well. But I want you to see that this uh, is a one of the climactic moments of the life of Nebuchadnezzar. The day when as king of Babylon, he declares the uh, goodness and the glory and the power and the majesty of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, of our God. Say amen, somebody. He says, how great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. If you believe that, say amen. So Daniel is telling us this story and it kind of is one of these stories that begins in a, um, a, a high point and then it's going to drop very low. And by God's grace, it's going to come back up to another high point. But we see there the beginning of Nebuchadnezzar's uh, great experience and faith in God. Vemos ahí el comienzo, el inicio de la vida con Dios. And I just want you to think about your own experience, your own life. When you had that moment of encounter with the truth of God's reality. Yo quiero que usted piense esta mañana o esta tarde. De ese momento como uh, el rey de Babilonia, que tuvo un momento cuando él tuvo un encuentro con la realidad de Dios. When you had an experience with the reality of God, when something happened in your life that was undeniably God. And it marks your life. Todos tenemos esos momentos cuando hemos sido marcados por la realidad de Dios. And how many of you remember those moments? ¿Cuándo recuerdan esos momentos? Re moments when the reality of God becomes so, so clear in your life that no one could possibly talk you out of believing in God. Cuando ya nadie nos puede convencer que no hay Dios porque hemos visto la realidad, hemos visto o tenido experiencia con la el poder y la gracia de Dios. The salvation experience is no doubt the highlight among those experiences. La experiencia de la salvación. What greater miracle could there be than the transformation of a life? Uh, ¿Qué milagro más grande que la transformación de una vida? If you're saved and you know it, shout amen. And then, of course, there's the baptism in the Holy Spirit, another highlight moment in our life and all throughout life there come different moments of opportunity miracles uh, signs wonders healings deliverances uh, salvation from uh, accidents and things that happen in our life direct and clear specific answers to prayer and these things start to build up in our life as a as a fortress against unbelief and a fortress against doubt in our life nevertheless there are some things that can uh, weaken our faith, even after having powerful experiences with the reality of God. We're going to see that the thing that weakens Nebuchadnezzar's faith is his own pride. Pride, the Bible says, comes before the fall. Vamos a ver que para el rey de Babilonia lo que, lo que provoca una debilidad en su fe es el orgullo. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But I want you to understand uh, that Nebuchadnezzar was not an unexperienced man. He had 
uh, first of all, a vision from God, the vision of, of the uh, statue where the head was made of gold and the uh, chest and arms made of silver and the belly made of brass and the legs made of iron. And we're going to... Uh, we're going to see some of that repeated in a few chapters more. But Daniel, or De uh, Nebuchadnezzar had this great revelation from God by a dream. And then he has this experience where he sees the Lord Jesus Christ uh, before the incarnation appear in the fire and save out of a burning fire three men who were not burned or uh, neither their uh, the, the, had the smell of smoke on them when they came out of the fire. And so he has this experience with God, these experiences with God. But then they weren't enough to be able to stand against the, the pride that comes into the human heart. And we want to be always on guard against pride in our own life. El rey había tenido maravillosas experiencias con Dios. Este sueño del, de la estatua de cabeza de oro y, y brazos y pecho de, de plata. Y uh, todo esto lo vio como una visión de Dios. Y ahora ha visto a Cristo manifestado en el horno de fuego, salvando la vida de estos tres hebreos. No cabe duda que él... Había tenido una experiencia marcada con Dios, así como muchos de ustedes. Sin embargo, nada puede defendernos cuando entra el orgullo, porque el orgullo trae caída. El orgullo trae uh, problemas. Entonces, no hay que pueda parar en contra del orgullo. Usted y yo tenemos que, que pararnos entonces en la humildad para poder defender en contra de ese ataque del enemigo. And so oh, we have to understand how powerful pride is as an enemy. And not take for granted uh, the power of pride, but rather respond to its power by seeking a life of humility before God. So Nebuchadnezzar had experienced, number one, he had, he had that great vision. How many of you have ever had vision? You have ideas, you have plans, you have prophetic words that have been spoken over your life. And then he had a vision of Jesus. He had a revelation of Jesus. And now he gets a warning. So he has visions, he experiences miracles, and now he gets a warning. How many of you have ever experienced a miracle? How many of you have ever gotten a warning? And we've all been down this road before. El rey ha tenido visión, ha tenido milagros, y ahora el capítulo 4 es una advertencia. And so verse 4, it says, Nebuchadnezzar was at ease in, in his house and flourishing in his palace. Be careful, because this is one of the points where pride comes in. When we are at ease. Remember David fell into adultery and murder? It happened when the kings went to war. He stayed home. He was taking it easy. Be careful when you are at ease spiritually. When you put your spiritual life into autopilot or You put it into neutral and just expect things to keep happening the way they're going to happen. No, the spiritual life requires active commitment and active faith. It requires activity in our spiritual life. Be careful even when you're at ease in your natural life, your material life. It's good to rest. It's good to go on vacation. It's good to take a break. But be careful that those moments of being at ease don't allow your mind to wander and go to a place or your life to wander and go to a place that is not going to edify you and build up your life. Tenga cuidado cuando su vida, así como el rey en el verso 4 que dice que estaba descansando, estaba en un lugar floreciendo, todo estaba uh, fácil. Y así como David cayó cuando, cuando en vez de ir a guerra, mejor se quedó en la casa 
así también el rey. And the Bible says, then I saw a dream, and it made me fearful. And these fantasies, as I lay on my bed, and the visions in my mind kept alarming me. So I gave orders to bring into my presence all the wise men of Babylon, that they might make known the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the conjurers, the Chaldeans, the diviners came in, and I related the dream to them, but they could not make an interpretation known to me. But finally, Daniel came in before me, whose name is Belshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And I related the dream to him, saying, I just notice how he signals uh, or uh, um, separates Daniel from the rest. And he says, this man, he's one of the wise men, but he's not like them. There's a spirit of God in this man. That ought to be true of every believer, that they ought to be able to say of you, the Spirit of God is in this person. God is moving and working through their life. A Daniel, in verse 8, el rey lo señala como una persona diferente. Tiene un esp el Espíritu de Dios en su vida. He said, O Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, since I know the Spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery baffles you, tell me the vision of my dream which I have seen along with his interpretation. So here he goes again, telling him, I forgot the dream. Tell me the dream and what it means. And Daniel, because he has made a commitment to walk with God and to honor God, is now finding himself in this uh, place, again, to bring an answer to the king. Here's the dream. He says, I was looking in the vision in my mind as I lay on my bed, And behold, an angelic watcher, the Holy One descended from heaven. He shouted out and spoke as follows. Chop down the tree and cut off its branches. Strip off its foliage and scatter its fruit. Let the beast flee from under it and the birds from its branches. Yet leave the stump with its roots in the ground, but with a band of iron and bronze around it in the new grass of the field. And let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. And let him share with the beasts in the grass of the earth. And let his mind be changed from that of a man. And let a beast's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him. This sentence is by the decree of the angelic watchers. The decision is a command of the Holy One. In order that the living may know that the most holy, the most high, is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows in it on whom he wishes and sets over it the lowliest of men. This is the dream which I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belshazzar, tell me its interpretation inasmuch as none of the wise men of my kingdom is able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, whose name is Belshazzar, was appalled for a while. As he thought, uh, as the thought alarmed him, the king responded saying, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation alarm you. Belshazzar replied, my lord, if only the dream applied to those who hate you and interpret interpretation uh, to your adversaries. The tree that you saw, which became large and great and grew strong, whose height reached the sky and was visible to the earth and all the earth, and whose foliage was beautiful and its fruits abundant, in which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and whose branches the birds of the sky lodged. It is you. Everyone say, it is you. All right, let's pause there for a moment. Belshazzar has this dream. I'm uh, sorry, uh, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. The dream is of a tree. And the tree has become so large that the whole earth can see it. It's become very fruitful. And it's become sh a shade tree to many. And then there's an angel that comes down from heaven. And he gives an order saying, chop it down. Cut off its branches, 
branches, take the leaves off of it, scatter its fruits, so that everything that's taken uh, that's resting underneath its branches scatter, and leave only the the root and the stump, and around the stump put an iron and bronze uh, ring around it. Let it be fruitless and lifeless for seven periods of time until the sentence is fulfilled. Now, the same answer that was given to him in the last dream is given to him this time. He says to him, you are that person. Remember last time he told him, Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. Ever remember that? You are the head of gold. And now he tells him, you are the tree that's about to get chopped down. No wonder he was alarmed. Le dice a Daniel en el, uh, en, en el capítulo 2, le dijo, tú eres la cabeza de oro. ¿Cuándo recuerdan? Y ahora le dice, tú eres el árbol que va a ser cortado. I want you to notice, because this is applicable in every one of our lives. Tell your neighbor, you are the head of gold. Listen, whatever, whatever God's going to do in the future, you're the start of it. You're the beginning of something. Usted es la cabeza de oro. Cualquier cosa que Dios vaya a hacer para el futuro comienza aquí con usted. Y eso es una oportunidad, es una uh, op oportunidad divina. It is, that's such a great opportunity. It's beyond our imagination to think that you could be the beginning of something great. Usted puede ser el principio, es el principio de algo grande. Now that ought to get our attention because number one, it means if I have a choice between being gold, silver, brass, iron, or dirt, I better choose gold. Si yo tengo la oportunidad de ser oro o plata o uh, bronce o hierro o tierra, debo escoger ser oro. We ought to decide, I want to be God's best. I want to be the best thing and uh, arrive at the place where I can do the greatest thing that God designed me to do. Someone should say amen. Usted debe desear ser lo mejor de Dios. Ser la cabeza de oro. No se conforme con ser bronce. Don't settle for, for bronze. And God has given you that opportunity. Dios nos ha dado esa oportunidad. Maybe you're the head of gold because you're the first person in your family and your uh, family tree that won't get divorced. Maybe you're the head of gold because you're the first person in your family to even be a believer. Maybe you're the head of gold because you're the first person to get out off of welfare and uh, be fi become financially independent. Maybe you're the head of gold because you'll be the first person to graduate from college. You are the head of gold. Tú eres la cabeza de oro. Quizá usted va a ser la primer persona que va a romper las fronteras y las barreras en su vida o en su familia y ser el que va a prosperar, el que se va a educar, el que va a ganar a, a, a almas, el primero, el primer creyente. The opportunity and the design of God is for greatness. La oportunidad y el diseño que Dios tiene es para la grandeza. But now we see the same man and he's being told all that you are, all that greatness is going to be cut down. Because you have allowed something to come into your life that is going to destroy the thing that God uh, has designed for your life. Now I want you to understand again 
just how powerful pride is. That's just how important it is for you and I to walk in humility daily before God. Because Nebuchadnezzar has become great and the temptation is when you are the head of gold, when you do something great, something extraordinary, something special, something different to think, oh, look at me. Look what I did. Look what I accomplished. We have to live daily with this reality that understands that if it had not been for God who was on my side, I would have failed. I would have been destroyed a long time ago. Say amen, somebody. And that conscious humility before God to say, God, if, if you don't go with me, I won't go. I've got to have your help in my life. When Daniel hears this, and he understands its interpretation. He's obviously afraid because he understands that this is, this is Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 22, he says, It is you, O king, for you have become great and grown strong, and your majesty has become great and reached the sky and your dominion to the end of the earth, in that the king saw an angelic watcher, a holy one, descending from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, yet leave the stump with its roots in the ground, but put a, uh, put a band of iron and, and bronze around it and the new grass in the field and let him be drenched with dew of heaven. Let him share with the beasts of the field for seven periods of time. This is the interpretation, O king, that this is a decree of the Most High which has come upon my Lord the king that you be driven away from mankind and your dwelling place be with the beasts of the field. You will be given grass to eat like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will come over you, uh, over, over you until you recognize that the Most High is the ruler uh, over the realm of mankind and bestows it upon whomever he wishes. And in, the, the, in that the command to leave the stump and the roots of the tree, your king will be assured to you... Your kingdom will be assured to you after you recognize that it is heaven that rules. Someone say the mercy of God. So Nebuchadnezzar is going to be given an opportunity to repent. He said, therefore, O king, may my advice be pleasing to you. Yeah, right. Break down. The king's thinking, what? You just told me my king is going to be destroyed. But here's the answer. He says, break away now from your sins by doing righteousness and from your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor in case there may be a prolonging of your prosperity. Now the king has been given a sentence. The scripture says, we keep reading, all this happened to Nebuchadnezzar the king. Twelve months later, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. How long does it take you to forget? Have you ever walked into a room and thought, why did I come in here? Have you opened the refrigerator and like, why did I come? The Bible says that he went to the roof of his house He's at ease again, and the king reflected and said, Is this not Babylon the Great, which myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? They say that Babylon had 1,000 1, walls, or 1,000 gates, I should say. A massive city. The walls so wide you could run chariots across them. The uh, gardens that were built in Babylon are said to have been one of the seven wonders of the world. And when the king looks out and he, he sees the city bustling and the, the palace is in its beauty and glory and the walls of that city un 
unbreakable and the strength and might of Babylon. And he said, look what I have built. Look at me. And while the words were in his mouth, a voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared, sovereignty has been removed from you. Listen, God will not tolerate pride. Dios no tolera el orgullo. Pride is believed to have been the original sin. It's what comes into the heart of man to think, you know what? God said no, but I say yes. God said it's off limits, but I say that it's, it's mine. And the pride that comes into Nebuchadnezzar's heart is, is just like the pride that comes into any human heart. It has the same source, it has the same destructive power and influence in our life. And you and I as believers have, uh, have a, uh, we have a, an advantage, we have an opportunity Obviously, over Nebuchadnezzar, because we've been born again. Say amen if you're born again. And we've been indwelled by the Spirit of God. And he teaches us to humble ourselves. And to acknowledge that it's God doing and working in our life. But you and I must always be on guard against the uh, power of pride. Tenemos que siempre estar velando contra el orgullo. When you read chapter 5, you're going to see the same thing happening again in the life of another king. Listen, kings fall by pride. Heads of gold fall by pride. But if you want to stand, if you want to endure, then you should walk, and I should walk in humility before God. Now remember what has he Remember what he's had, because sometimes we think God is, isn't fair. He's not, he hasn't given uh, people a chance. He gave Nebuchadnezzar three major gifts. He gave him vision, that's revelation. He gave him miracles, and he gave him a warning. And remember Daniel told him, break away from your sins. Do good, there's an opportunity for grace. There's an opportunity for your prosperity to be prolonged. It doesn't come through a great act of rebellion. It doesn't come through a great, uh, a great sense of, of uh, a backsliding. It just comes by allowing pride to come into his life and make him think that he was more than God. Remember, because these, this phrase is so important, sovereignty has been removed from you. Remember who it is that establishes kings. We think, well, we're going to go vote, and we're going we're gonna to make it our candidate, and on and on, and rah, rah, rah. At the end of the day, God says, no, I am the one that establishes kings. Romans chapter 13 says that no authority is given except from God. Now, what does that mean for Nebuchadnezzar? It means that he has to acknowledge that this kingdom, I am not even, I can't even be a king without the help and the authority and the will of God. And so we see the judgment. Sovereignty has been removed from you, and you will be driven away from mankind, and your dwelling place will be with the beasts of the field. And you will be given grass to eat like cattle. And seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes. Immediately the word concerning Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled and he was driven away from mankind and began eating grass like cattle and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nail, his nails like birds' claws. 
Nebuchadnezzar was driven mad. He lost his mind. He went out into the fields, into the forest, into the pastures. And his hair grew out long. It doesn't mean his hair became feathers, okay? It just grew like feathers. He was completely covered. And his nails grew like claws. Imagine seven years without pulling your nails. And the worst of it was the loss of his mind. ¿Qué pasó aquí? Vemos que Daniel le dice al, el Señor le dice a el rey, vas a ser castigado por el orgullo que hay en tu corazón y fue separado de su mente y fue separado de la humanidad por siete años. Y ahora vemos que aquel gran rey no es nada. Now we see that great king, that, that intellectual giant is nothing. Ese gran rey no es nada, no le queda nada, no tiene mente, no tiene sabiduría, no tiene gracia, no tiene poder. Es como una bestia. He becomes like an animal, like a beast. The Bible says, I say again, pride comes before the fall. And now he becomes nothing. He can't even recognize the glory or the splendor of Babylon or of its of its greatness. Ahora está completamente separado de aún lo que él había pensado que era la grandeza y lo que era la sabiduría. What's God looking for? He says, this is going to happen until you recognize that the Most High is the ruler of the realm of mankind. God is looking for him to repent. What does God seek from someone who's gotten off course, who's gone away from the Lord? What does God seek? He seeks repentance. ¿Qué busca Dios cuando te apartas de él, cuando te separas, cuando entra el pecado a tu vida? ¿Qué busca Dios de un hombre? Busca que se arrepienta. Que regrese a los caminos de Dios. He's looking for you to return to the way of God, to the way of truth. God is a God of extraordinary grace. Dios es un Dios de gracia, de compasión, de misericordia. His, his love is an everlasting love. Su amor es un amor eterno. What does he require? It's something simple. Turn around. Reject sin. Él requiere algo tan simple como dar la vuelta, rechazar el pecado y regresarse a Dios. Now here's the other thing I'll mention to you with this, and that is that when God gives a warning, he is not playing games. Dios no juega cuando él da una advertencia, es porque él tiene es, eh, eh, tiene en mente hacer lo que él ha dicho que él va a hacer. God will not go back on his word. Listen, he, he is giving, he has given Nebuchadnezzar warning. He didn't take it. And now Nebuchadnezzar is going to have every last thing God said. Listen, every person has to decide whether they're going to live for God or not. And if you live for God, everything God said about his children, about believers, is going to happen in your life. Say amen, somebody. The blessings, the breakthrough, the victory, the triumph, it's going to happen in your life. But if you choose to reject God, every last thing God said would happen to the wicked. What happened in that life? God is a just God. Dios es un Dios justo. No one can reject the kindness of God without receiving extraordinary consequences for their life. Nadie puede rechazar la bondad de Dios y el amor de Dios sin recibir en su vida consecuencias muy drásticas. And so the Bible says, but... Aren't you glad there's a but in this story? 
there can be a, a moment of, of change in a person's life when they come to their senses. When they come to that place where they realize, I need God. You know what some people think? They think, oh, you know what? Those people that go to Kingsway Church, they're, they need God. They're weak. They need God in their life. I'm not weak. I don't need God. There comes a moment in people's life where they realize, oh, I'm weak too. I need God. I can't do this on my own. I don't, I don't have what it takes to fight the world and the flesh and the devil. I need God. I need God's grace in my life. It says, but at the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. What a dramatic turnaround. You see, God had said there's going to be a moment of grace in your life. And I believe that God has promised the members of your family who are uh, getting away from God, he's promised them a moment of grace in their life. You need to be praying for them that when that moment comes, they'll look up to heaven and acknowledge their need for Christ. That they'll take that opportunity, seize that opportunity. This is what he said, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted for nothing, but he does according to his will in the, most, uh, in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? At that time, my reason returned to me, and my majesty and my splendor were restored to me for the glory of my kingdom, and my counselors and my nobles began seeking me out, so I was reestablished in my sovereignty and surpassed greatness Surpassing greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and honor the king of, of the heavens, for all his works are true and his ways are just, and he is able to humble those who walk in darkness. Now, just look at this. I told you it's going to end. It begins with a doxology. And it ends with a doxology. God gets the glory. God gets the glory when you give it to him willingly. And guess what, world? God's going to get the glory even if you don't want to give him the glory. God is going to get the glory. Paul said, from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Dijo Pablo, de él y para él y hacia él es toda la gloria para siempre. And so Nebuchadnezzar has a moment of grace. El rey tiene una, un momento de, de gracia, una oportunidad the restauration. And let me just tell you a moment, uh, uh, for a moment, about what God's grace can do in your life. God is a God of total restoration and a God of greater than restoration. Dios es un Dios de total restauración y aún más allá que lo restaurado. I heard about a, a, a pastor whose house was destroyed by a hurricane, escuché de un pastor que, que su casa fue destruida por un huracán, and so they gave him the, uh, the insurance gave him the, the funds to be able to rebuild the house. Le dieron lo que necesitaba para restablecer la casa por el aseguro, and he told the architect, I want the house to be at least one foot bigger than it was before. He understood this principle. 
And here you have Nebuchadnezzar saying, not only is God able to restore, but he is also able to restore to greater than what you had before. Say amen, somebody. Listen, you, uh, if you're walking with God and you're walking in humility, even when uh, painful situations come into your life, God is able to restore. He said in the book of Joel, I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. God is in the restoration business. And if you need a restoration tonight, keep walking with God because God will do greater things in your life than you can do for yourself or uh, would do for yourself. Say amen, somebody. And so now he has this extraordinary restoration of his life. Tiene ahora una completa restauración de su vida. ¿Por qué? Porque ha reconocido su necesidad de Dios. He has seen his need for God. And he receives a surpassing glory. Usted y yo también como el rey vamos a recibir una uh, sobrepasada Gloria, una restauración, una grandeza aún más grande. God is going to give his people a surpassing greatness. Algo más grande, mayor que lo que habíamos soñado o pensado. You remember when Job was restored? The Bible says that he received double what he had lost. Cuando Job fue restaurado, él recibió doble. Everyone say double. Doble lo perdido. So stop crying about your losses. Ya no llores sobre lo que perdió. Dios es, está en, en la obra de hacer doble. God is in the doubling business. And when you look at the life of Jesus, when, cuando vemos a Jesús, he, he goes to the cross and is cut off. El, el va a la cruz y es cortado. He's put in a grave and his disciples, his 12 disciples, scatter like a flock being chased by a wolf. Aquellos discípulos se van huyendo como un rebaño uh, siendo perseguido por un lobo. Pero cuando él es restaurado, but when he is restored, uh, we can't even begin to understand the multiples uh, of restoration that Christ has received. He hasn't received double or triple. He's, he's received a hundredfold, no doubt, a hundredfold on a hundredfold. He said he's bringing many sons to glory. Say amen, somebody. The, uh, the glory of the ascended Christ is beyond all human discovery. Or description. And if God will restore a prideful pagan king, what won't he do for his children? Si Dios restaura con gracia y misericordia a un rey pagano, cuanto más no hará por sus hijos. How many of you are children of God? ¿Cuántos son hijos de Dios? Alguien alabe a Dios porque Él quiere hacer mucho más en tu vida que lo que había soñado. God wants to do much more in your life than you had dreamed of or imagined. Let's stand tonight. Why did God do this in the life of Nebuchadnezzar. God's ways are his own. They're higher than our ways or our understanding. And maybe you could say it's so that we could see the severity of the judgment of God. That might be true. But I think he did it in Nebuchadnezzar's life so that we could see the greatness of his mercy. You see how merciful God is that he warns and he reveals and he does miracles 
but he also restores and rebuilds and replenishes. And in all of that, we see the abundance of the mercy of God. We are the recipients of that mercy, the recipients of that grace. And tonight, you and I don't need to go through all that Nebuchadnezzar went through to offer praise to our God, and we don't need to go through all of that to know that humility is the path that leads to victory and triumph. So I want you just to lift your hands to heaven tonight and give the Lord your own doxology, your own song of praise and thanksgiving and, and worship. Nebuchadnezzar said, of the Lord. Blessed be the Most High, praised and honored, because He lives forever. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All of the inhabitants of the earth are like nothing compared to Him. And no one can ward off his hand or say, what have you done? And his majesty and his splendor were restored to him. Father God, we thank you tonight as we lift up our worship, our honor, our praise, as we exalt the name of Jesus. While we lift up our hands, we humble our hearts and we say, God, you alone are worthy you alone are King of kings and Lord of lords. All the glory, all the honor, all the praise belongs to you. And we know that you are the restorer. You are the Savior. You are the Redeemer. You are our hope and our life. We are secure in your hands. 